0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. AstroLine. This is 790 AstroLine. Presented by Carbach Brewing Company. AstroLine. The official off-season show of your Houston Astros. hey Carlos Correa, the hero. Let's talk Astros baseball. Call 713-212-5790. That's 713-212-5790. It's the wall and it's gone. George Springer goes yard. Live from Pluckers Wing Bar on Shepherd. this is 790 Astro Line. And greetings from Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd near downtown Houston for another edition of AstroLine presented by Carbach Brewing Company. I'm Robert Ford, one of the Astros radio broadcasters coming you, to you tonight with a very special guest. 14 seasons in the big leagues, five seasons with the Astros, and now going into his fifth year as a member of the Astros television broadcast team. Jeff Blum, good to see you, Jeff. What is up, Robert? What's up, Pluckers? Yeah. You—it's uh first time. You did some of these as a player, didn't you?
1: Yes, I did. Yeah. Now I'm on the other side and uh, pretty nervous.
0: <laughs> yeah, because you're—you're you're, never—you never talk to you know hundreds not, or thousands of people ever. Yeah, I'm not used to making stuff up. And, yeah. <laughs> so real real neat for you to be back with the Astros and you know mention your fifth season on the broadcast team. But this is going to be your first year doing pretty much all the games on TV. You did done done mostly road games the last few years with uh mostly alan ashby some with bill brown as well but uh, i know you have to be excited about a chance to do all 162
1: i am extremely excited the Astros gave me that opportunity uh four years ago to come out here and do just the road games it worked out well with brownie and ash and uh this offseason, there was a little bit of a shakeup with Browning retiring, and uh, the opportunity presented itself, and uh, I can't be more excited than I am right now to be here working with the Houston Astros organization, let alone being able to broadcast a great team like the Astros are going to have this year. And
0: it worked out pretty well for you the last four years, because you're <laughs> out in California, Southern California, and of course the Astros and the AL West played a lot of road games out that way anyway, uh, so it's pretty convenient. But you're a Houstonian now. You, you and your family yeah. packed up, moved halfway across the country, and and... This is home.
1: Well, that, that's what a lot of people I don't think know yet, and I'm sure right now listening tonight, they'll understand that, yeah, I've been doing the commute from California all over the various parts of the country to meet up with the Astros and do all the road games, and with the the, the chance to do 150-plus games now, you know, we made the decision as a family. We said if everything goes right, we may have the potential to move back to Houston. Uh, my wife was elated about it. My kids are, are, are were excited about it. They're making the adjustment now, but uh, with... Doing a full season, coming back to Houston was the right move for us to make, and we are
0: excited to be here. And a lot of people also don't know this. Now, you got with the Astros 2013. Your broadcasting career actually started 2012. Yes. You... We're with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, you got released in July of 2012. They had an opportunity for you to do some some games on TV. How did that all come about?
1: Uh, it was a pretty interesting season. I had a two-year contract with the Arizona Diamondbacks from 2011-2012. Uh, mm-hmm. But July 18th, I get released. And uh, during the course of the season, the Diamondbacks were having some serious issues in their TV booth. Yeah. Uh, Darren Sutton had his issues, got uh, let go. Uh, Mark Grace had his off-field issues. He got let go. And towards the end of the season in September, they had brought over uh, Greg Schulte, I believe is his right. name, that okay. came over and did the TV play-by-play, and they had Gonzo and a couple other Diamondbacks doing the uh, the color analyst. And it just so happens that there were two nights that I think Gonzo had previous engagements. One of them was a Justin Bieber concert. Okay, and, fair and enough. He must has, have daughters. And I respect him. He has triplets also, <laughs> yeah. so he, he had to entertain the family. So he had to go to a Bieber concert. And it opened up a door for me that they gave me a call and said, hey, would you want to come back and do a couple games on TV for us? And I said, you know what? I plan on retiring. I don't know what I'm going to do next, but this is a real opportunity for me to maybe get on air and see if I like it, see if it works out. So it actually worked out to be a demo reel for me because I had no idea what was going to happen that offseason with the Astros wiping everybody clean as far as TV and radio. And I said, you know, if I just go for an interview, that will be great. And it turns out that, uh, you know, I got I got the job, and uh, it's been p- perfect for me ever since.
0: So two games with Arizona in 2012 yes. on TV? Mm-hmm. Talk about that first game that you did. <laughs> Nervous beforehand? Uh, uh, yeah,
1: slightly. Because uh, everybody. The question I get in doing my job now is, what class, Did you take any classes? Did you do any training? Yeah. And I said, no, zero, none. And I mean, literally, they put me in the uh, in the booth, pointed at the headset, said, "There's the cough button. There's the, <laughs> there's the button to talk to the producer. Go get them." Gave me a big clap and uh, said said go for it and I sat down I had a stack of stats I had computer websites and all this stuff and I was just jumbling and bumbling through things and uh, Tom Candiotti was doing the color on the radio for the Arizona Diamondbacks right. and I you know I talked to him after the game and said oh my gosh you know this thing went terrible I didn't know what I was doing I was trying to read stats watch the game I didn't know what was going on he go he he came in the booth the next day. That I was doing it. He knew I was doing it. He walked in and he took all the stats on the counter, (laughs) threw them in the trash. (laughs) And I go, what are you doing? And he goes... You are here to watch the game and tell the people at home what is happening on the field. And from there on out, that's when I got really comfortable because that's what we do. That's what Sparky and I do. That's what we talk to guys like you and Todd Kaus, who I'm going to be working with. We're just talking baseball. That's our job is to communicate the game a little bit, bring some levity every once in a while, which I know that some of the fans enjoy every once in a while. But it's just my job. As opposed to your job, you're the you're the hyper analytical, you know, the statistical guy that knows all the in-depth information. My job is to bring some of the plays to life and explain maybe why they happen. So that as soon as Tom Candiotti said, "Get rid of the stats,"
0: everything cleared up for me. This surprised me, knowing Tom Candiotti, the former <laughs> knuckleball pitcher, that he did that. Yeah, uh,
1: what I've is seen... it with knuckleballers being on? I mean, being radio <laughs> color guys.
0: I mean, what's the deal with that? I mean, Tim Wakefield's got to be next, right? Yeah, he's got to be in the booth. He'll probably get another lifetime deal the way he goes. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking with former Astros player, current Astros broadcaster Jeff Blum. And you mentioned you're going to be working with a new partner this year, Todd Callis, uh, new Astros television play-by-play broadcaster. Spent the last 19 years on the uh, television and radio crews for the Tampa Bay Rays. Basically, they're their entire history uh, since when they started as an expansion team in 98 until now. And uh, you've got to know Todd a little bit since mm-hmm. he took the job. But you 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 two have a bit of a history together because you were with the Tampa Bay, then Devil Rays. Yes. And uh, was it 2004? Yes,
1: it was 2004, and I think I was the devil in the Devil Rays. <laughs> it, it was a rough year, and I, I had to have a conversation with him today. We talked. We had our production meetings to start off the season a couple days ago, and I wanted to call and catch up with him and just kind of give him some insight into guys that are in the truck and what it's like working with them. But I also had to remind him, I go, hey. I know I met you in 2004. That was a rough year for me, and I go, I want you to know. I'm not that guy (laughs) anymore. (laughs) I think I ended up hitting about 215. Me and Lou Pinella were going after it. Uh, But uh, Todd has been there the entire time, so I did have that foundation with him. And when we did the audition, it was nice to see him again. I knew who he was. I knew who his dad was, had a chance to meet him. He called some of my games when I was uh, uh, first coming up uh, in the uh, National League East. So there is some legacy there. There's some history. The guy knows the game, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun listening to him call games. I think it's a real opportunity for him, too to kind of create his own voice, and I think that's got to be unique within his family.
0: Yeah, you know, talking about that 2004 Tampa Bay team that you were on and that Todd Callis was part of the broadcast crew, Todd told me a story at oh FanFest about, so the Rays at that point, now – For those who don't remember, I mean, it seems like, hey, the Rays, they're usually pretty good, although they haven't been this good the last few years. But not when you were there. Their first 10 years, and it started in 98, their first 10 years, they finished last all but one year. And then one year they didn't finish last. The year you were there, they finished next to last. And Todd Callis was saying that uh, at that point the Rays had never won 70 games in a season. I know where you're going with this. And so he said, uh, you know, Lou Pinella promised the team that there would be a champagne toast if the team got to 70 wins, and I think your last series was in Detroit, I believe. Yes, it was. And sure enough, got to win number 70, and out came the bubbly.
1: Um, and you know what? There were some veteran guys on that team, and, you know, I got traded to Tampa from Houston. So I mm. I knew what winning was. I knew what a good ball club For was. For and
0: Backy, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. So I knew what. Winning baseball was, I knew how to approach the game professionally. I knew that winning seventy games was not an accomplishment <laughs> because i 'd been playing with guys on eighty win teams, and I just came from Montreal where we were kind of scuffling to trying to find our way or, or should I say Montreal University, as Jonah Carey calls it, <laughs> and uh, you know I graduated and went to Houston and then I, I kind of a little bit of a setback coming here, coming to Tampa Bay and sure enough man i don 't know what happened, but I came off the field a little bit late and i wasn 't there for the actual like Speech, I guess, you right. gave. Guys, we won 70 games. Isn't this great? You know. So well, I was I... hoping you do your Lou Piniella, oh, by the man. way. Oh yeah. man. Well, it's just, a, yeah, it's, it's part <laughs> of that. It's that nervous twitch that I get when I when I hear that voice. But uh, we walk in and he's raising a glass of champagne, and I think it. You know, I was it back in like Aubrey Huff, and we kind of like they hand us a glass of champagne. We were like, what the heck? <laughs> 70 <laughs> games, and we just kind of, you know, very discreetly threw it in the trash and. Got dressed, left, and said, hey, we got another ball game tomorrow. Let's show up and try and win 71. Maybe we'll get
0: more champagne. <laughs> By the way, Aubrey Huff, from what I know about him, he didn't do anything discreetly. Another no. former Astro. No, you're, you're, you are correct. <laughs> you may have thrown it away discreetly. Something tells me Aubrey f- threw it against the wall or something like that. Yeah, he probably did. Yeah, he, and he could at the time because
1: he was absolutely raking. The dude could yeah. drop bombs. I mean, I know he, could, he was a professional hitter. And uh, at the time, he was a man in Tampa, so he probably could have done whatever he wanted to out there. I'm sure
0: he probably did smash that thing against the wall. <laughs> so, talking with Jeff Blum, you know, we mentioned you got a, your first opportunity to do TV, a couple of games with the Diamondbacks 2012 after you had retired as an active player. What point did you think about broadcasting? Did you ever think about possibly going into this career before your playing career ended? Um,
1: yes, and it's because I played with so many guys. You know, Brad Osmus is a guy that comes to mind. He is now managing. Dave Roberts is another guy manager. But Mark Loretta in the front office, sure. Trevor Hoffman, some of these guys that I had a chance to play with uh, knew the game well and kind of had a game plan moving on and actually transitioned into those into those certain positions. And the first thing I asked them was, like, you know, what made you want to do this? And they said, Uh, We wanted to stay around the game. And they said, if you want to make the decision to stay around the game, find a way to get back into it. But uh, I had always done, I've never turned down an interview. Whether I lost the game, won the game, had nothing to do with any part of the game. If somebody said, hey, do you want to do an interview? I said yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So I got real comfortable in front of the microphone. It's kind of funny with Bagwell uh, Hall of Fame stuff that was going on this week. Barry Axelrod was in town. Mm -hmm. And he he lives in San Diego, and I have a a pretty good relationship with him. Long-time agent. Yep. Long-time agent. Yep. Represents Jeff. And uh, he, he cracked a joke. He, he goes, I knew you were going to do this. He goes, I knew you were going to be in the booth somehow, some way. And I go, what are you talking about? He goes, the last four years of your career, every interview you did, you were broadcasting you were getting ready for it. So I think it just kind of it was a natural progression for me, and it just so happened that, you know, luck had it, that the Astros were looking for somebody, and I had an opportunity to move in. Um, I like to talk. My wife would probably argue that at home. But uh, I like to talk baseball. I love the game. And, I, you know, like I said, being here with the Astros organization and watching what we saw in 2013-14 was a little rough and discouraging, but now we're getting to reap the benefits of it, and it's such a more enjoyable and fun space to be in.
0: We're going to talk about some of those early Astros teams by the way cuz you and I we both started with the Astros at the same time. <laughs>
1: yeah, we did. But uh, <laughs> some interesting conversations on the bus. <laughs> <laughs>
0: to say the least or between innings. Yeah. Hey, don't forget Astros spring training tickets are now available. 2017 spring training will be the Astros' inaugural season in the new ballpark of the Palm Beaches located in West Palm Beach, Florida. The site will include many fan-friendly and state-of-the-art amenities. For more information, visit ballparkofthepalmbeaches.com. We'll have more with Astros broadcaster and former Astros player Jeff Blum is AstroLine, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, continues live from Pucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd, and on the Houston Astros radio network. And Tejana scores and the Astros win it 2-1 in the bottom of the ninth inning as Blum comes through. Rick up the line. Hunter picks around third for the second straight game. Jeff Blum has a game-winning hit. And the Astros win it in the 13th, 2-1. The Rally Hawks coming through. Twice within a period of less than 24 hours, Jeff Blum wins it in the Astros final at bat. And welcome back to AstroLine, presented by Carbock Brewing Company for coming to you live from Plucker's Wing Bar on 1400 Shepherd. Hey, don't forget to check out Plucker's other location in the Memorial City area out here in Houston. Hey, 2017 Astro season tickets are on sale now. Enjoy some of the best seats at Minute Maid Park. Save money and receive great benefits throughout the season. Call 1-877-9-ASTROS or visit astros.com slash season tickets to get your seats today. We're joined by former Astros player, current Astros television broadcaster, Jeff Blum. And we just heard a couple of calls from the recently retired Bill Brown of back-to-back game-winning hits that you had for the Astros, June 10th and 11th of 2009, both games against the Cubs at Minute Maid Park. Astros won both games 2-1, to and you had the the walk-off hit in, in both of them. I mean, that that's just, I mean... Walk-off hits, I mean, if you're lucky, maybe you'll have a couple in a season if you're lucky, and you have two in back-to-back games.
1: And if you're real lucky, you get to do it against the Cubs.
0: Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> I mean, that was extra
1: special right there, being able to do it against the Cubbies. Anytime you get to bury them, it's a beautiful thing.
0: Especially in those NL Central days, and the Cubs oh, were pretty absolutely. good then in 09.
1: Yeah, they were pretty good. Uh, it, was, it was nice not to have to face Carlos Marmol at that situation, but, oh. uh, you know, everything sets up. you got to be at the right place at the right time.
0: Biggest or most memorable hit you had in your career. Regular season. Okay, regular. We know season. we know we know what might be the most memorable <laughs> postseason. We're not gonna we'll talk about that a little later. But most memorable hit in your career regular season for you. Uh, two
1: thousand three. It was opening day. I was in the opening day lineup for the Houston Astros. Okay. And uh, the reason that was special for me is obviously because of the Vigios, the Bagwells, Osmus um, and, and that type of situation. Was that your first opening day start? That was my first opening day start at third base for the Houston Astros. So I, I was extreme. The only two opening day starts I've ever had in my life, in my career, were as Astros. One was at third base. Uh-huh. The other one was at first base, oddly enough. Uh, but uh, I, I hit, I took Dan Maselli deep in that opening night, and you know how it is an opening night. Sold sure. out. The enthusiasm, the energy was off the charts, and I think the roof about blew off the top when I hit that home <laughs> run. So that was probably one of the more memorable regular season uh, hits that I had, just because you know it's being in a starting lineup, it's being in a city like Houston, it's playing on a team with two potential Hall of Famers, now current Hall of Famers, and being able to contribute like that—that that was that was incredibly special.
0: I mean, that's what every—I mean, when you're a kid playing baseball in sand lots or. Playing games in your backyard, those are the sort of things you dream about, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you put yourself in those imaginary lineups, or now you can do it on the computer games and insert yourself right. into those lineups in between Visio and Bagwell. But I was actually lucky enough uh, with Jimmy Williams to get a chance to start in an opening day lineup and to contribute like that was uh, pretty awesome.
0: I mean, I've hit thousands of opening day home runs in my mind. <laughs> Real life, not, not quite as many. Uh, we're talking with Jeff Blum, Astros broadcaster, former Astros player. We're joined by Lauren Blackwell now, who... You may see on the, or you may remember seeing her on the video board at Minute Maid Park during home games during the season. And always good to see you, Lauren. You have a question from the audience. Yeah, thanks, Robert. Jeff, Stan from Houston wants to know if there's a particular ballpark that you enjoy visiting and calling games at, or if there's one you're looking forward to visiting this season.
1: Calling games from, that's a great question, uh, because it is different as
0: a player. Couldn't stand
1: Wrigley. If we stay, I mean, maybe it's something to do with the Cubs. I could not
0: stand Wrigley Field. Well, that is not a great clubhouse. Yeah,
1: it's a terrible clubhouse. I haven't been in the booth, thankfully. But uh, as far as calling games, I had no idea the vantage points that we were given Mm -hmm. to call some of these games. Um, uh, Pittsburgh, for me, is one that really stands out just because of the, the scenic view that you get. Granted, it's a little bit higher, and it's, it might be a little bit tougher for the play-by-play guy to call the game because of the depth perception issues, but uh, Pittsburgh is one that stands out just because it's a, it's a great shot of downtown Pittsburgh. Roberto Clemente Bridge, sure. uh, the lights and everything are, are fantastic. Um, I haven't had a chance to call one at Dodger Stadium. But that's one place that I love playing. I'm not sure how it is calling games there, but that one always had that true traditional baseball feel to it. Um, Minute Maid, obviously, is one of my favorites. The vantage point that we have from the level we're sitting at and directly behind home plate is pretty amazing. And I like the vicinity to the fans. The fans are right in front of us, so it's a lot of fun tossing the peanuts and Cracker Jacks out there. Um, But for me, number one would have to be Pittsburgh, just because I I think the field is gorgeous, and I think the sight line is amazing for us up there in that booth.
0: And Astros going to Miami this year. That's Uh, a new one, yeah. Yeah, for the first time since they were in the National League. They were actually there – one of the first series uh, when that park opened in 2012. As a matter of fact, J.D. Martinez was on the Astros' hit, the first ever home run uh, in a regular season game at at, uh, Marlins Park. I'm going to
1: have to write that down and use that for Todd. (laughs) I've got to pick Todd
0: up. You – did you? Did you get to play there in 2012? No, I did not go through there. Yeah, so no, this will be your first trip there. I got
1: released before we, we went through there. Yeah, so this will be that's the one ballpark I have not been to. Okay, the one current, and, and, and we get to go to Atlanta. Atlanta's going to have a new ballpark right, too, some, so that's a yeah, yeah, that should
0: be really neat, yeah. uh, and, and get a chance to, to check that out as well. Some of the pictures I've seen of that online already looks like they're almost done with construction, so that'll be uh, well, that'll be a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be calling that from a trailer out back. <laughs> well, we're going in July, so they better have it done. As a matter of fact, I think we're there July 4th, as a matter of fact. Uh, nice. Playing, playing the Braves. Be nice and cool. In, in Atlanta. We're talking with Jeff Blum, and, you know, we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, some of the the early days, uh, for us anyway, calling Astros games. Mm-hmm. You and I both started 2013, me on the radio side and you on, on TV. And you mentioned Pittsburgh, and there's one moment that always stands out to me. And I, I know you know where I'm, where I'm yeah, going with this. Yeah, I do. This. There's one moment that always stands out to me about that 2013 season. Astros going 51-111. and 111. Not a great year. Series in Pittsburgh. Interleague series. Astros first year in the American League. Uh, tie game. Pirates had, I believe it was runner at third. Uh, actually, actually, it was bases loaded. Yeah, I think they were juiced. Uh, little flair out in the short right center. and uh, <laughs> it was, I believe it was Jake Elmore playing second because Jose Altuve was on bereavement leave. And the right fielder, I believe, was and a, Jimmy.
1: And a partially subluxed jaw.
0: Yes. And the right fielder, I believe, was Jimmy Paredes. they they on the attack. Yeah. And they <laughs> ran into each other. Ball dropped. Pirates won the game. I mean, it was so 2013 Astros, it hurt. It hurt Jake Elmore more than it hurt either of us. But
1: I, well, it, And I thought it was going to hurt my broadcasting career, because I don't know if I've told you this story, because everybody's like, what, you know, have you messed up on air? And I'm like, oh, yeah, several times. There's plenty of times that I'm going to yeah. blow up on air and, and make mistakes. But that being that, that was our first year, and now I'm a seasoned veteran going into my fifth season, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> I've learned to, as a as an analyst, to kind of be patient, pull back a little bit, let the play unfold, wait for the replay. But that didn't happen in 2013 because that play specifically, when Paredes came in, um, Ash was getting excited. The Astros are going to get out of this inning. And all of a sudden, Jimmy Paredes, for whatever reason, got a spark in him and took out Jake Elmore. When that ball fell, um, I didn't say on-air words that were legal, I think, at the time. (laughs) And, And I specifically remember that because I know for a fact, before I could remembered after I said, oh, Whatever I said, and to hit the cough button, I know they pulled the plug on my mic. So the guys in the truck, the guys in the truck, I think felt the same way. And luckily, somebody down there pulled the plug because there was a couple things after that that I kind of like stopped and went, "Oh man, we're, we're, yeah, this is live." Yeah. And I had to take it back a little bit. Luckily, we went to commercial break, and I was like, "Guys, I'm sorry, I'm talking to the you know Carl or yeah. producer in the truck." I'm like, "Dude, I'm sorry." Um, and I, you know, I had to have him replay it back in the truck after the game, and I was like, "All you hear, all you hear is." Holy – and then, and then it, was, it was wiped out after that. So that was that was 2013 in a nutshell, man. It was amazing. Anything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And, I mean, those guys were going out there giving it their best. Sure. We knew. I don't know if they knew, but that was not a big league ball club.
0: Yeah. And the thing that I I'll always remember about that particular moment was, so mentioned Jose Altuve was away from the team on bereavement yes. leave. And uh, Jake Elmore, it was his first big league call-up. Altuve was going to come back the next day. So Jake Elmore was going to every, you know, we all knew it was going yeah. down after the game. And so my thought after the game, after the incident was, I sure hope Jake Elmore gets back to the big leagues because yeah. I would hate for him to have just those two or three games, and that's his, his last big league moment. Unfortunately, he did yeah. get back to the big
1: leagues. And, and Jake's just, one of the better guys in baseball. Absolutely. I mean, just a true grinder in every sense of
0: the word. Yeah, so fortunately that, that, that worked out better for for the Astros. But, I mean, when you see, you know, and it was the third straight 100-loss season for the Astros in 2013. 2014 was a little better. And, you know, there wasn't a champagne toast when the Astros won 70 games in 2014 like there was on your 4 Tampa Bay Devil Race team. <laughs> but if there was one, I don't think anybody would have minded. Uh, because It would have
1: been a, a celebration
0: of relief. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But it really made – makes you appreciate 2015, and even last year, and Astros missed the playoffs, but you still won 84 games because when you, you and I saw the way this team was 2013, 2014, to where we are now, it's a lot different.
1: It's incredibly different. I think the hardest part for us and a lot of fans who were watching the Astros through 2013-14 is because, you know, we heard Jim Crane took over in ownership. Jeff Luno moved over from St. Louis and started to, you know, put his plan into motion. Right. And they said, be patient. And you had to be incredibly patient because of what they had going on. I think 2015 you got to see a little bit of it. They caught lightning in a bottle where these guys were playing incredibly well together. The chemistry was great. Some guys had off the charts types years. Dallas Keiko goes out and wins a Cy Young. So these guys are figuring out their potential. Maybe they peaked a little bit too quick and surprised themselves a little bit. Therefore, 2016 kind of came back to earth, but they still continue to play. Well, you and I both know if you take April out of the equation, they they are a playoff team. They were one of the top five teams the rest of the season the way they went out there and played. And they kind of had to figure out how to offset Dallas Keuchel not performing as well as he'd like to. Colin McHugh had his ups and downs but you've got it. what was great about that I think is that it gave an opportunity to some of the younger guys, Lance McCullers, a uh, Joe Musgrove uh, guys like that uh, Davinsky kind of stepped up and found their roles a little bit and made them better and made them playoff quality. So I think that them not making it to the playoffs as as, as bad as that was and yeah. as disappointing as it was, they're going to be better for it. You mentioned, they're going to
0: be hungry. You mentioned that April that the Astros had last year. <laughs> Do you think that was in part because there were just so many expectations? And, I mean, look, I remember talking with a lot of those guys before the season. They were just so hungry to get back to the postseason, especially the way the postseason ended with that, you know, the crushing defeat in Game 4 of the division series against the Royals with the game that the Astros looked like they had won and, Yeah, I think everybody was just so geared, like, we have to get back. We need to go farther. We were so close. Do you think it was one of those things where maybe just, you know, the wheels maybe were spinning a a little faster than everything else was? Well, I think it can be. And, uh, you know, you have
1: a young ball club like that, you almost hope that ignorance is bliss and they just kind of go, oh, we're just going to go out and play baseball nothing happened. But I think as dramatic as 2015 ended, I think that may have had a little bit of a hangover for the ball club because they realized that they were six outs away from moving on in the playoffs. And then they eventually lost to uh, the Kansas City Royals that went on to win that thing. So I think there was some lingering uh, issues and disappointment from losing that game with the Kansas City Royals. It kind of, like, allowed them to sputter a little bit through April. But it's tough playing with the target on your back. I- I've had the chance to play with – I was with the San Diego Padres, and uh, we won the West in 2000. Uh, five, we won it in 2006, and we always had that target on our back. But it's tough when you break camp and you know that you're the guy that everybody's aiming for. But I think these guys now know that I think they're still a team that's going to be aimed for. Oh, they, absolutely. They, they have left an impact on this league. Their players have left an impact on this league. And now you, t- you look at about, at the acquisitions they made, the trade for Brian McCann, you got Charlie Morton coming over, and uh, you got Carlos Beltran coming back. I mean, now – you know, where's that hole in the lineup, especially yeah. in the American League? Absolutely. You look one through nine, and you, there's nobody you can take a break
0: on. It definitely, definitely isn't. And we're going to talk about this 2000. 2000- 17 Astros. But we're also going to talk about some of the teams you've played on. And I want you to think about this during the break. I have the number, but we're going to talk about it when we come back. Oh, boy. Number of Hall of Famers you played with oh in man. your career. We're going to we're gonna talk about that when we come back with Jeff Blum. The college baseball returns to Minute Maid Park. Join us March 3rd through 5th for the 2017 Shriners Hospital for Children College Classic. Three-day tournament will feature University of Mississippi, Baylor, Texas Tech, Texas A&M, TCU, and LSU. For more information and tickets, visit Astros.com slash College Classic. More with Jeff Blum, Astros broadcaster, former Astros player, as Astro Line, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, continues live from Plucker's Wing Bar and on the Houston Astros Radio Network. The offseason is here, and the hot stove is just heating up. And that's driven deep to left field. Going back is Zobris, and he will watch that one go. All those home runs coming in the last week, starting to heat up. Follow all of the Astros' action and cool off with a cold Carbock beer. Whether it's the bold flavor of Hopadillo IPA or the clean refreshment of Love Street Kohl's Style Blonde, there's always a Carbock beer waiting for you. Keep up with all the Carbock action by following on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Carbock Brewing. Carbock Brewing, Houston, Texas. From the Elephant Auto Insurance Traffic Center. This report brought to you by Staples. Resolve to get organized this year. Staples has low prices on everything your business needs to be organized this year, like bankers' boxes, file folders, and storage bins. Go to staples.com slash coupons for your twenty percent off select supplies coupon. It's 129. Restrictions may apply. Staples, make more happen. This report is brought to you by Renters Warehouse. The news radio seven forty forecast. Tonight mostly clear skies and cool with a low of forty-one. This report is brought to you by Connect Better. When you connect better, Everything comes together. Join the more than 3 million people who use GoToMeeting every month to connect with their team. Try it free at GoToMeeting.com. That's GoToMeeting.com. Liberty Mutual Insurance presents a story about pickles. It's 2 a.m. and your pregnant wife wants No, needs pickles. So you pick up some green happiness but hit a parked car. Great, something else to worry about. Luckily, Liberty Mutual Insurance has 24-7 claims assistance so you can take care of your claim right away. Problem solved. Now, if only you bought the right pickles. Visit a local office or call 844-8-LIBERTY. You can leave worry behind when Liberty stands with you. Liberty Mutual Insurance. Coverage is underwritten by Liberty Mutual Insurance Company. Honey, would you like me to heat up some nuggets for dinner? No, babe, it's a plated night. A good enough dinner isn't good or enough. So plan for great with Plated. Plated nights will be your greatest nights. Because only at Plated.com can you choose from exciting weekly recipes the whole family will love. From twists on classics like saucy meatball sliders to adventurous dishes like steak tacos with chimichurri sauce. There's even dessert. So forget that extra trip to the grocery store. All the shopping and measuring is done for you and delivered right to your door. Plus, simple step-by-step instructions make prep fun. If you go to Plated.com now, you'll get $30 off your first Plated night. Pretty great, right? Get out of your what's-for-dinner rut and create the kind of nights you and your family crave. Go to Plated.com now to get $30 off your first Plated night. Don't settle for good. Plan
1: for great. Head to Plated.com. For terms and details, go to PLATED.com.
0: Watch your Houston Astros kick off the season in sunny West Palm Beach, Florida. 2017 spring training will be the inaugural season of the new ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Spread across 160 acres, the modern training complex includes several baseball diamonds, separate clubhouses, and features many fan friendly amenities. After you cheer on your Astros, Walk-off hit for Springer. Astros win it five to four. Visit one of the city's 160 golf courses or check out the 47 mile. With pristine Atlantic Coast Beaches. For more information or to purchase spring training tickets, visit ballpark of Excitement has built for the Astros. They lead it 8-0, and Billy Wagner comes in. Not a safe situation, but a lot of pressure here, J.D. Yeah, this is fun. This is really fun. A chance of a little baseball history. Yankees have not suffered the fate. The Astros would like to hand them the night. Since 1958. Last time it happened here, 1952, Virgil Trucks for Detroit. Bagwell to Wagner, and there it is! A no-hitter for the Astros! With six different pitchers combining their first ever win in Yankee Stadium. How oh, about that? The guys come out of the pen
1: and pitch no hit baseball. Unbelievable.
0: Welcome back to AstroLine, presented by Carbock Groin Company, coming to you live from Pluckers Wing Bar at 1400 Shepherd. Hey, the Astros will be celebrating Jeff Bagwell's election into the Hall of Fame throughout the 2017 season. Special five-game ticket package now available. Package includes tickets to the Bagwell Hall of Fame weekend in August and access to exclusive Bagwell-themed giveaways. Visit astros.com slash plans for more information. Talking with Jeff Blum, who was... On the field, starting at third base for the call that we just heard. Final out of the Astros. Six-pitcher, no-hitter, June 11, 2003, against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. This is Astros' second-ever game uh, in a regular season at, at Yankee Stadium. Of course, the, the old Yankee Stadium. And uh, you were on the field for that, and, and obviously a, a real special moment. Was that, were you part of any other no-hitters in your career as a, uh, on, I was on, on the, the winning side?
1: I was on the receiving end. That was after Hurricane... And, oh, of uh, course,
0: of course. Ike, Ivan, whatever yes, the heck it yes. was. Yes, yes, and, uh, when, yeah, and uh, Zambrano was, in Milwaukee for yeah, the Cubs. Which... That,
1: that was when Dud Seelig sent us to yes. Milwaukee to play a home game in front of the Cubs fans, yeah.
0: You're was. not the first member of the 2008 Astros to mention that to me, by yeah, the way. Yeah,
1: I'm sorry. It's, it's okay. <laughs> it's, yeah, it is okay. No, but that was, uh, you know, what, the best part about that no-hitter, there was a couple things, is that uh, if you watch some of the replays, Jeff Bagwell's like, You know, he's high-fiving guys, and they're going bonkers. And Jeff is like, guys, we won the game. It's awesome. Way to go. (laughs) You know, he had no idea until we turned around and looked at the scoreboard that there were zeros completely across the board, (laughs) except for one in the error column for the Houston Astros. Who committed that error? I think it was uh, third baseman, first play of the game off Rafael Soriano, backhand play, just clank. (laughs)
0: Thank goodness you're better at broadcasting. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, if I end up dropping the headset, we're going to have some excuses. Well, 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 unfortunately, it wasn't a perfect game at that point. Yeah. Because, you know, you commit the error when it's laid into a perfect game, it's a little different. But fortunately, so yeah. that wasn't the case, and there, there were a few walks mixed in there. Yeah. Uh, but, but a great moment at, at Yankee Stadium.
1: Well, especially when Roy Oswald leaves in the yeah, after the first inning. Right. you got to go through five other guys to finish off that game. It was pretty incredible. But look at the guys we had. I mean, you know, you had Sarloos, and, uh, and yeah. then you went Lidge. Dotel Wagner, I mean, the back end of our bullpen in those days was unbelievable.
0: And Pete Monroe really picked yeah. up some slack, two and two-thirds innings after Oswald came out. Um, and then, you know, Sarloose Lidge, Dotel, and Wagner followed him. But obviously a great moment. And, you know, Bagwell getting the, the final out there. And, of course, Bagwell's being honored. He had the pep rally at Minute Maid Park. And I mentioned to you before the break... If you remember the number of Hall of Famers you played with, I believe I have a complete list. You do? Yes. That's doing some serious research
1: because I know, uh, just real quick, Greg Maddox. Yes. uh, Tim Raines, uh, Jeff Bagwell, and gosh, man, who else is going in this year?
0: Wait, you you played with Tim Raines? I'm that old. Thank you. I didn't. Okay, that was one I didn't have, so I'll have to update my tally. You did that on purpose. I didn't do that on purpose. Yeah. No, I played with
1: him. (laughs) I was with the Montreal Expos when he uh, when he was still playing.
0: Okay. He came 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 back back at the end of his
1: career. Yeah. So I was with Tim Raines, uh, Jeff Bagwell, Pudge Rodriguez was another guy too. So uh, and potential Hall of Famers. I mean, my goodness. Well, certainly a few. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But uh, so I have you with seven. Seven? Seven. That's a lot. Bagwell and Biggio, of course. That's
1: what happens when you play with six teams over 14 years.
0: You mentioned Yvonne, <laughs> you mentioned Yvonne Rodriguez, you were teammates with 2009 with the Astros. Astro. Uh, Mike Piazza. Oh, yeah. 2006 with the Padres. San Diego. Was a teammate of yours. Greg Maddox, you mentioned 2007 with the Padres near the end of his career. And the last guy I could understand if you don't remember because he was hurt the entire time you were there, Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas, Thomas yeah. Well, you, you came to the White Sox at the deadline in 2005, and yep. Frank was hurt uh, for the, I think he only played like 40 games or so that year. Yeah. Um, but you, you guys you still shared a clubhouse.
1: I, I'm going to claim that, too. No, yeah. we, we did share a clubhouse. He was actually in there quite a bit uh, down the stretch, hanging out with the guys and stuff like that. I know he's extremely disappointed. Uh, not to be on that ball club, and actually,
0: I mean, if he is on that ball club, who knows if I'm even on that roster, so <laughs> thanks, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that was, a, that was a, a unique situation for you. You started the 2005 season in San Diego, and you're from Southern California, so that had to be neat for you to be close to home. A couple of different stints, one of two stints you had with uh, yeah. with the Padres, and uh, you get traded at the deadline to the White Sox, and obviously they were having a really special year. I believe that was Ozzie Gian's first season as manager there, uh, and, the, and they were having a great year and, of course, wound up winning the American League. And They hadn't won a World Series since 1917. They wound up being able to do that, unfortunately, against the Astros in four games. Fortunately for you, you were a significant part of that. Of course, Game 3 of the World Series at Minute Maid Park, 14th inning, Go-ahead home run off Ezekiel Estachio, help the White Sox win that game in 14 innings and, of course, eventually win the World Series. You told me a really cool story about that moment. Mm -hmm. And it was your only at-bat in the World Series, and you hit a home run as a pinch hitter. Your wife, Corey, was there. Yes. Your kids were how old?
1: I only had, well, I had, the triplets were just born in... May of 2005, I got traded at July 31st that year. And my oldest daughter, Mia, who is now 13, she was 15, 16 months at the time, uh, was in the stands with my mom and my brother. Mm -hmm. And the family section was right behind our uh, third base dugout. So, you know, that thing happened where I I ran around the bases and touched home plate, high-fived everybody. But I blew a kiss to... uh, my wife, who I thought was sitting in the seats. And after the game, I'm like, babe, can you believe what just happened? It's unbelievable. And she's she's really hush about it. She's kind of quiet. She's just kind of going, yeah, you know, that was really cool. Yeah, we saw the whole thing. And I'm going, (laughs) do you realize what just happened? Yeah. I go, we are one game away from being world champs. She's like, yeah, that that was pretty cool. And I said, "What's going on?" I go, "You got to break it down for me." I go, "I don't understand why you're being not as excited as I yeah. thought you would be." And I go, "I even showed you some love on TV." I go, "Lots of people were watching, babe, and I blew you a kiss, you know." Yeah. And uh, she goes, "Yeah, I wasn't sitting in the seats." <laughs> and I went, "What?" And she goes, yeah, you know, that game took so stinking long. I had Mia in my arms. She was crying her eyes out. I couldn't keep her quiet. She wanted to fall asleep. Fans were cheering. She kept waking up. So I went down into the Astros family room. <laughs> so keep in mind, I was an Astro in 2002, 2003. Yes. So my wife still knew a lot of the families on the current Astros. She knew she a lot had, of the wives. Yep. She had nowhere to go. And she went down underneath. She knew all the security guards, everybody working at the stadium that knew her extremely well. And they're like, hey, don't worry about it. Go into the Astros' wives' lounge. It'll be fine. And she was down there with a bunch of friends. I think the Everetts were down there, the ensbergs you know, the Berkmans. And, and so they were just kind of mingling, having a good time. And, they're like, and she said that they were in there, you know, holding their kids. And they looked up on the screen. And I came up to hit. And, you know, Kara Berkman says, oh, hey, look, Jeff's coming up to hit. And Corey's like, oh, isn't that cool? Okay. And then all of a sudden she said, Boom. As soon as the ball was hit, the place went dead silent. <laughs> and she's sitting in the stand, sitting in there, and she she had she incredibly awkward moment where yep. she thought, do I get up and leave? What do I do? And she kind of looked at the girls, and the girls were like, it's okay, Corey. We understand. Yeah. You know, so they were incredibly accommodating and compassionate about the whole situation, but she was a a little bummed she wasn't in the stands for it. Yeah, that's a bit awkward. Yeah, it's a little awkward, and to be in the opposing, but, you know, it was even that much more awkward for me, too. If you watch a lot of the replay, um, I do fist pump, but it's not one of those, like, you know, hurrah fist pumps where I'm throwing my helmet up in the air and, you know, Kirk Gibson around the bases. It was a fist pump, and then it was a high five of Tim Raines, and then I immediately put my head down. And it was because of the guys that were in that dugout. All of those guys I had cut my teeth with, you know, playing and trying to do the, accomplish the same thing with them. And now I found my opportunity was in a different uniform, which every major leaguer, no matter what team you play for, would have died to have been in that situation Absolutely. and have the same thing happen to them. So I did it, and it had to happen against the Astros for whatever reason, but I put my head down. And that was the only celebration I really had was that one fist pump, and then I jogged around the bases, hit home plate, and went into the dugout and celebrated. And I think a lot of that is a credit to the guys who I played with on the Houston Astros, but I also think it's a credit to how they taught me how to play the game too. I I, I learned that... I wasn't going to be a showy guy. I was going to respect the game. I was going to respect the guys in the other clubhouse and and go about my business, even though that was the greatest moment in my professional baseball career that I will never forget. I, I, I'm not going to apologize for it. Uh, you sh- nor should you. But, but, you know, there was a great deal of respect, and there was a bittersweetness to that moment because I knew that, the Houston Astros treated me great. It just so happened that it had to happen against them.
0: Only time you played in a World Series, right? Only, only at bat I've ever had in a World Series. Yeah. yeah, so that's a really cool story and just goes to show how much... The Astros meant to you, and, of course, you wanted to come back to the Astros for three years. Well,
1: and I think it explains the Astros fans, too. The Astros fans are incredibly understanding fans. I mean, I, gr- I understand if they have you know grievances against me or they won't forgive me. I get that. Yeah. But at the same time, for them to be able to have me on their TV station, I think it says a lot about the organization. I think it says a lot about the fans, too, being able to understand that it's part of the game. But still,
0: at heart, I am a Houston Astro. That's a really cool story. Hey, get ready, Astros fans. Baseball season's right around the corner. You can find fresh Astros merchandise for, up, for the upcoming season by visiting the Astros team store. Purchama, purchase customized jerseys, Astros gear, hats, and more. Visit astros.com slash team store to see what's available today. More with Jeff Blum as Astroline continues live, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, live from Pluckers Wing Bar and on the Houston Astros radio network. Jeff Blum has tied his career high with four hits today. Four for five. The fourth time in Blum's career he's had a four-hit game. He nails it for hit number five. A five-hit day for Jeff Blum. The first time in his career he's done that. Talk about being locked in. Phenomenal day. And welcome back to Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, live from Plucker's Wing Bar at 1400 Shepherd. Hey, next time you're looking for a great IPA, remain calm. Carbock's Hopadillo IPA is loaded with hops from around the world for the perfect citrus character, Carbock Brewing Company, Houston, Texas. Hey, don't forget the next Astroline show comes up on Wednesday. Next Wednesday, February 1st, Steve Sparks will be the host for that one. Guest to be determined, so just stay tuned to social media and other avenues to find out who will be the guest for that show. But when, next Wednesday, February 1st, Steve Sparks will be the host, and that'll be our next AstroLine broadcast. I'll do it again. Okay. <laughs> we, you know, we could stick around and do another hour here. Okay, it would be on the air. But... I could come back. We could talk hair product. <laughs> <laughs> and you, and you, you reminded me of something. We're talking about Jeff Blum, Astros broadcaster, former Astros player. Uh, I got him. I think I got him. <laughs> So that Jeff is. Bagwell, in his speech at the oh, Penn Rally at Minute Maid Park, and I, what, what I thought was there were a lot of neat things about that event. One of the coolest yeah. things to me was Bagwell's speech. He made a point. Every single one of his teammates who was there, Berkman, Biggio, uh, Brandon Backey, yeah. yourself, all of you guys, he made sure to mention each one of you by name. And Andy patted all those guys, he made sure to mention each one of you by name and had a little anecdote or something about each one of you. And when he got to you, he said, <laughs> the first time I met you, you had red hair. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I, yeah, I good comeback. I like it. <laughs> so I had some issues early on in my career looking for attention. So, you know, my ability was lacking, so I distracted everybody with my hair color.
0: I believe uh, Matt bolts producer engineer, has that audio. Let's hear it.
1: I have my other friend over there, Jeff Blum, who the
0: first time I ever met him had red hair. <laughs> and, you know, and now he's on TV, and I'm still mad at him because I, I said, you got to. But now he has four girls.
1: But you are just a pleasure to watch. Uh, the best time I've ever seen out of a second baseman. I think when Craig was hurt. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> red hair. And, uh, and... I did. And, you know, oh, man. And a credit to Baggy. Everybody talks. I mean, Baggy is one of the best human beings I've ever met in my life. And, I, you know, I, I do give him a lot of credit for, for how I approach the game by what I learned playing with him and alongside him. But uh, I think it was good evidence of the fact and how he, he knows that the people around him mean something to him. Yeah. By going man for man, going across that board, I thought that was great. But, yeah, when I got traded over here, I was with the uh, Montreal Expos, and part of my uh, my skit so to speak, was to, you know, have varying hair colors. Yes. And uh, I did have red there for a little while, and it's kind of funny, when I was working with Alan Ashby, I keep, I reminded him that my very first Astro interview was with Ash when he was doing radio for the Houston Astros. Is that Astros. right? And I, and I go, do you remember my hair color when we first did our interview? And he had and I go, it was black. So, I mean, you know, within the span of a couple of weeks, there was red, black. So, I, you know, there were some issues going on there. But, uh, yeah, and, and I, you know, I, I'm paying for them now. And it's funny. I got four, and, you know, Baggy mentioned I have four girls. So back in our day, we actually had photos, like, on paper,
0: yes, so, yes, I remember those days. So Thirty-five we, millimeter cameras. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: So we moved. We just recently moved, obviously from uh-huh. California to Texas. So in packing everything up, we have photo boxes, and all the, all the pictures are in there over the years. And my wife is incredibly organized. Has them labeled year by year, almost month by month. And it's kind of funny. The girls start thumbing through these things, and of course they pick one up, and it's like you know I've got you a stark white hair and they're like dad what is this and i'm like don't worry about it put it back in there (laughs) so yeah it's all coming back to haunt me now that i have kids and i got to explain all
0: that kind of stuff so so now if your daughters want to dye their hair purple or green or yellow yeah you can't say anything yeah dad would never do that There's (laughs) There's <laughs> photographic evidence. Yeah, Wasn't there they're... at one point when you were at the Astros, and you, you mentioned stark white hair, You I, and I even remember just watching games as a fan with when you were playing. I remember the blonde hair is what yes. I remember, the stark white hair. Wasn't there a group of fans, Blum's Blondes, yes. at one point with the Astros? Yeah, they, they, they that
1: actually encouraged me to keep my hair blonde because okay. I was like, man, somebody's paying attention. This is awesome. <laughs> and I was like, I told my wife, I'm like, babe, I go, I got women following me man this is awesome but uh, <laughs> everyone wants blondes to hear are out there yeah no it was kind of funny but they were a great group of uh, ladies that were they would wear blonde wigs sit in the right field corner uh, cheer their brains out you know what's great about that too is that they are still around and they come up to the booth every once in a while oh, and fantastic. say hello um but uh yeah i can't I, i'm getting too old now to dye my hair I'm, i have fear of it falling out all right no offense
0: so, so <laughs> yeah none taken believe me it's it's been going on a long time for me uh you're a good sport, Robert. Blonde, yes. White, red. You mentioned yeah. Black. black. Yeah. Was that was four colors? Is that is that the whole spectrum? Yeah.
1: There might have been a shade of blue in there every you know for okay. for a little
0: while. Yeah. When you wanted to channel your inner Smurf, yeah. Well, yeah,
1: inner Smurf was always good. Yeah. When that thing faded out and it turned that light blue, that was not good. But it, it, <laughs> it would, it, but it was always great because I could blame my slumps on my hair
0: color, and it would give me an
1: excuse <laughs> to change to a different hair color.
0: Well, hey, whatever works, whatever yeah. works. You um, you know, you mentioned your time with Montreal, three years there before you got traded to the Astros for Chris Truby uh, in 2002. In spring training, yeah. you got traded. Is, is March 12th. How you first became an Astro? Uh, now you're going from an Expos team that, I mean, at that point, were they? I think they were. They had been taken over by Major League Baseball at that point. Yes. If not they were pretty close. Obviously, things were dire. They wound up moving to Washington D.C. a few years later. What was that whole experience like for you going from Montreal Expos that you mentioned, you know, jokingly called Expos University, to go to an Astros team that was a perennial contender?
1: Um, it was great. And you know what? I really appreciate the time that I had with Montreal because it was kind of unique because I, I came with guys like Jose Vidro, Orlando Cabrera. Sure. Uh, you, know, uh, you came Hawk, up with Guerrero, didn't you? Vladimir Guerrero. I was with him and Abel all the way up, so I uh. had a chance to watch that guy grow and become the – Future Hall of Famer that he will be. That guy would give you an inferiority complex if you're playing with him. Well, Pete McCannon, the current manager for the Philadelphia Phillies, is the third base coach at the time when I'm in Montreal. And I'm sitting on the bench with Mike Mordecai, Ryan McGuire, and a couple other guys. And Vladdy takes a slider, you know, down and in from, you know, Greg Maddox or somebody crazy and goes, Oppo Taco with it. (laughs) And Pete McCannon comes in after that inning and points at me and goes, You, 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 will never be as good <laughs> as that guy. <laughs> and he couldn't have been more true. But, I mean, that guy was an incredible talent. Uh. But I, I, and I've i said it before, and I got kind of ripped for it in the Montreal press. But I felt like I got called up when I got – traded to the Houston Astros yeah um, it was an established clubhouse it was a clubhouse and you heard baggy about the brand of the Astros baseball sure. that they created during the during the 90s and I, I I believed it and I got a chance to see it when I got traded over so I was a, a, extremely grateful and like I said I go baggy Biggio, the Wagners and those guys really had a lot to do with
0: how I developed as a ball player well so glad you're in Houston full-time now me too Going to see you on TV. I'm not because I'll be on radio. But everybody else is going to see I you. To say on... we're usually sitting this close when we call games. <laughs> people just don't know it exactly. But really glad you're here. Thanks for joining us.
1: No, I appreciate the opportunity always. And I thank for the thank you for all the fans coming out and everybody listening.
0: All right. Always good to hear from Jeff Blum, former Astros player, Astros broadcaster. Thanks all the great people who make this show possible. All the great people here at Pluckers, producer, engineer is Matt Bolts. Studio producers, Bob Elliott. Next, Astroline. Next Wednesday, the first. Steve Sparks will be the host. I'm Robert Ford saying, so long. You've been listening to Astroline, presented by Carbock Groin Company on the Houston Astros Radio Network.